Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. So I'm entitling this one today, The Macro and the Micro, because it is a theme that I repeat and come to a lot in the world. And what I mean by that is the zoom in and the zoom out, right? So the macro is the zoom out, the micro is the zoom in. I got up this morning, and here's my micro. Welcome to my world. My mom right now is in a hospital with pneumonia and just diagnosed to have not only pneumonia, which is bacterial, but some kind of pneumonia meta virus, which is viral. She didn't sleep all night long. She got frightened and afraid and disoriented, didn't know where she was. Little delirium. Not good. Not good. My Aunt Cookie canceled Hanukkah because she as a terrible same virus. We all went down for Jill's 60th party last weekend and we had a magnificent time and I don't think any of us were traded. It was the best. But we all came back to Florida a week ago, a week ago, and uh, nursing something or other and it's taken a while for this virus. I think it's had what they call a long incubation period. So I got sick with it by last Friday. Today's already Wednesday. And by Monday, I had to go get an antibiotic because I had a little rattling in a lung. Who needs to hear all this? This is not why you're hearing the podcast. But the point is, the micro and the macro is this. On the micro of life, I get up in the morning and I'm hearing all this news and our Hanukkah party is canceled because Cookie doesn't feel well. Nobody feels well. My mom is in the hospital. I'm feeling incredibly guilty, torn between two worlds because here I am and I'm supposed to go to Florida next Friday and see them for the holiday for five days. My dad is also hucking and schnucking, and he is on the way to the doctor as we speak. He also needs to be treated. And, you know, it's like hard to have two good days in a row. Mommy's 89, daddy's 94, but they're good. Mommy's not as good as she should be, but they're good. My dad is still great, but you, you worry because this is the season of the respiratory viruses and the pneumonia. And you get up in the morning and Henry Kissinger is gone and Sandra J. O'Connor is gone and Rosalind Carter is gone and this one goes and that one goes. Don't forget, I'm a probate judge. So I get to read death certificates every single day. They go from this, they go from that. I'm going to, I'm on the office right now just getting off the air and I'm on my way to do some estate work. So that's today. So the micro is my little family, my little group, 
is uh, okay, but everybody's getting sick with something and we're not having a Hanukkah party. In the macro, I get up in the morning and I read that uh, Gretchen Carlson, former Fox and Friends anchor, you know her well, she was part of the reason Roger Ailes was finally brought down, but she had to keep silent about the details, has been on a crusade for years now to try and eradicate the legality of these arbitration, these compulsory arbitration agreements when it comes to sexual assaults and these uh, sexual misconduct in the workplace, not sexual assaults, sometimes they are assaults, sexual misconduct in the workplace and sexual harassment in the workplace. And also trying to make sure that companies can impose these non-disclosure agreements on women as a condition of paying the money. And she's been pretty successful nationally. She feels the national bill didn't go far enough. And so she came on our show today to talk about how Connecticut could do even a little bit better with a proposal to be on. So my world is like in and out, in and out all the time. And um, I just got off the air. We had a pretty good show today. We spoke with... We spoke with... Gretchen Carlson, who came on the air after I saw that article about what she's proposing in Connecticut. I reached out to her, and she was happy to come on the air, so we chatted a bit. That podcast is available. And then we had on Sean Scanlon, who, he is the comptroller of the state of Connecticut, and he came on to talk about the good balance sheet that Connecticut has right now. And then uh, Wayne Winston and I mixed it up a little bit about black, white, Jewish, and in-between issues of diversity, equity, inclusion. There was a story today. This is another crazy story. The story today that at Yale, the they took away the word Israeli as an adjective to describe Israeli couscous because in the cafeteria of Yale, they've deemed it extremely important to make sure that the authenticity of foods is present and that somebody questioned whether the couscous was really Israeli couscous. So in an effort to make sure to bend over backwards that the signage was not inauthentic and inauthentically associated with the foods, I'm not making this up, they took away the word Israeli from couscous. However, if you read to the end of the article, they brought it back because they realized upon doing their research that this particular couscous was in fact Israeli and had originated from Israel. And I'm reading this article and I'm thinking we can't call goulash Hungarian goulash anymore, I guess. Hmm, hmm. We might be afraid of offending somebody. What is... And so, and this is in a context in a world where Yale ballerinas have no problem for America to go away and associating themselves with virulently anti-American communist forces to take down capitalism. But we wouldn't want to put the Israeli adjective in front of a food because we wouldn't want to hurt the sensibilities of anybody who cares about the authenticity of the origin of a recipe or a food. I think we're in a world right now that is so upside down. It is completely upside down. If we worried about offending people, then I guess we wouldn't be having college presidents legalistically do tumbers, tumble salts to talk about how they could justify the genocide, the, the calling for the genocide of Jews on college campuses. 
right, it is within free speech. See, that's the thing. All of this is within free speech. It becomes not within free speech when it becomes aggressive behavior, when it becomes vandalism, intimidation, threats, bullying, keeping people from going to classes, creating a feeling of hostility and intimidation on campus. Speech alone is still speech alone. It was a very big topic. And it's gone away for a moment and a half about what to do with the three college presidents that testified last week in front of Congress. And Liz McGill's testimony was perhaps the most widely disseminated of Penn. She had already been on the hot seat for prior issues. And when she said that it depended upon the context to decide whether or not it was against Penn's student policy to call for the genocide of Jews, I think she left the rest of the country reeling and stunned and appalled and stunned. And mostly she was tone deaf, but she wasn't the only one. Claudine Gay was the other one, and Sally Rothman from MIT. All three women, all women that have only uh, ascended their positions within the last couple of years, all three brilliant scholars. Elizabeth McGill was formerly the dean of Stanford Law for nine years before she went to Penn as the president. But And by the way, we find out that all three were coached in their testimony by Wilmer Hale, that attorney should go away, uh, some prestigious white shoe law firm in D.C., who clearly coached them on how to argue a brief in front of the Supreme Court, but was completely clueless about what it would sound like to general Americans to answer questions in such a legalistic way. And that's the micro and the macro I want to talk about. Because, you know, the micro of the world is the world in which we um, get up in the morning and we worry about our loved ones and we make it through the day. And the macro is we have a, an outward-facing reality where we listen to news and we worry about the problems that affect and afflict all of us in society. And we are constantly moving back and forth between the micro and the macro. I have very often reflected myself that if I was an astronomer, I would get lost. There, Irving Berlin wrote a beautiful song for Annie Get Your Gun called Lost in the Stars. And I've often felt like when I close my eyes at night and I look up and I'm not affected by light pollution and I can see some stars, that you could get lost looking up in space. Lost mentally. <clears throat> because you can get lost in your imagination, in your head, about thinking about the vastness, the true vastness of space. And in thinking about it, then you literally come back to down to earth with a thud and you think, oh, I have to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry or I need to eat something or I need to pay a bill today. The vastness of the, and I think about this all the time about how our brains, you know, the, the neurologists give you a mini mental exam when they are examining you to see if you have any cognition and, and any cognition difficulties, any diminution in cognition. And one of the things that they say in there, many mental exams, are you oriented to place and time? Place time. In other words, do you have a sense of what day it is, where you are, where you're supposed to be? And if you don't, it's a big no-no. And you are, you know, not with it. I'm worried about my mother today because she's got some delirium with respect to that. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know that she was in the hospital last night. Not good. Not good. Not oriented as to place a person. But I often think, maybe I'm not being very articulate about this, but I often think 
about how we as human beings have to constantly navigate the macro and the micro all day long. All day long. We're constantly thinking about getting dressed in the morning. What are we going to wear? Do we have to get to the tailor today? Do we have to do the dry cleaning? And then whatever the larger thing is that's at our desk or in front of us, some of us are running companies, I'm doing a radio show, I'm judging other people. And I, I always think about the pivoting, the pivoting between the micro and the macro in the world. And I wonder, I wonder at the talent and ability that we have been given as human beings with this ability to constantly navigate between the small things in our life and the larger things that matter in the world. And I'm thinking about that all the time, the micro and the macro, the micro and the macro. And on the macro side of life, where we think about college presidents and we think about how they left and there was only one, Liz McGill, who ends up being the sacrificial lamb, which I predicted only one would go. There is a time of reckoning happening right now in the big picture. There is. And what I think that these college presidents really got wrong more than anything else, I mean, we can talk about favored speech and neutrality of speech and all of that. And I, what I think they got wrong is, number one, they didn't acknowledge the double standard that exists between speaking of advocacy against Jews and speaking of advocacy against any other group that has been marginalized. I just think that too many people make an exception for Jews. They just put them in this category of not counting. So that's one thing that I think they got wrong. But I think the other far bigger thing that they got wrong is that they answered the question like lawyers instead of like leaders. They didn't answer the question with any moral authority. They answered the question too legalistically, and that is what our society is guilty of. Our society is too guilty of the, ma of the micro and not enough of the macro. Our society, the people in our society that lead, need to take their heads out of their tushies and look up and see the forest for the trees. When you're asked a question about what student policy should be at a university, it should be very clear to answer that. We don't want anybody on our college campuses who advocates for the destruction of another people. It may not be something we can arrest them for because we respect the Constitution of the United States. But if you're asking us whether we think that these people should be part of our student community, the answer is no. And if they are advocating for such terrible ends, then we need to take a look at whether or not they should be enrolled in our university because they can exercise their free speech without fear of going to jail. Nobody's going to jail them. But that doesn't mean that they should be allowed to graduate this institution with a degree because this institution stands for certain things. It stands for a certain kind of morality. And we don't want people that are running around with a ticket, free speech or not, that are advocating things that we find abhorrent. Easy peasy easy peasy. You can respect the Constitution a million ways from Sunday. That doesn't mean you give them a degree. Are we giving a degree to every would-be Adolf Hitler, every would-be fascist? Is that what we're doing now? Are we giving a degree to people who advocate hijacking and terrorism? Are we giving a degree to those people and saying that that's okay when they openly advocate for it? No, we're not. No, we're not. We're not. We're not giving a degree that confers some kind of respectability an overlay of, of brilliance and acceptance in American society. No, we're not. That's not who we want to be here as part of student conduct. We're not going to arrest you, but there are
things that we can do as a private university that we can draw a line. It's easy. It's not hard. And I think what they missed is that they thought that that's what the United, that, that they didn't understand that the majority of people in the United States thought that that is what they already did. And the rest of us are shocked and appalled to see that they have elevated the notion of free speech to equating with what should be a good citizen in the United States of America. That's what they've done. And by the way, they're a bunch of hypocrites as well. Because they don't allow any dissension on things that people could very reasonably descend on that doesn't call for the destruction of any people. There are people that dissent about issues of whether or not people of certain genders should be on sports teams. That's a thing people can reasonably disagree about. There are scientists who maintain that gender is an issue of biology and not of choice. That's a thing people can disagree about. There are people that are opposed to abortion and there are people that are absolutely in favor of abortion. That's things that people absolutely reasonably can disagree about. And on a lot of those topics and issues, these universities have been grossly violative of free speech norms and have said, you people with those views don't belong in our community and we are letting you go. So they've had no problem, and that's where Maureen Down talked about favored speech. They've n had no problem favoring certain policies over another to begin with. They've already been doing it. So you, you, you pile on the hypocrisy, combining with the tone-deaf nature of what they're supposed to do in terms of moral leadership. And that's where you have the micro and the macro collide. They have collided. I'm Lisa Wexler. You've been listening to Behind the Wheel. And I hope you have a great day. 